This week's episode is brought to you by Uncanny Creative. Jordan, what's Uncanny Creative? Uncanny Creative connects talent like copywriters and designers with Utah businesses who are in need of a little extra help. Let's say you're in marketing and you're working weekends on an upcoming brand refresh. The problem is you're a few designers short and you can't spare any of your time to shower, let alone find freelancers. All of our creative talent are pre-vetted by industry pros and ready to get to work. And because we handle time tracking and invoicing on our end, you can try out different creatives until you find the best fit. No commitment, no awkward breakups, no creepy LinkedIn stalkers. You can visit uncannycreative.com to learn more. Well, I'm going back to you. Welcome to Utah Famous, a podcast about the people, places, and history that make Utah so unexpectedly awesome. I'm Sarah. I'm a Utah transplant with Canadian roots. And I'm Jordan, and I'm a Beehive State native. Sarah, I have um, a corrections moment from last okay. week with the chickens. Sure. Oh, so okay. you asked me if what I would do if there was a rooster with these chicks that we bought. Yes. And, and you I, said you would eat it. We would eat it. Um, <laughs> and we, I mean, technically we're not allowed to have a rooster in the city, so we would have to find a place for it. And I, I don't know, I would, I would, I promise you if there's a rooster, we will f- try to relocate it. However, Aww. I don't know <laughs> if like people really like I don't know. I mean, I'm sure anyone, uh, any farm would take it or whatever. But um, I didn't know about because my I had said that my grandma had had chickens with a rooster, and uh-huh. I was like, how did that work? Because we ate the eggs. Like I, um, like is it different or whatever? Like are the eggs different? Right. Can you eat fertilized eggs? And you can eat fertilized eggs. And um, and I actually asked my grandma, and she was like, I don't really know what how that worked because um it was this was you know like when i was little so it's been a while but um after a hen mates with a rooster it will lay fertilized eggs for a week so but but as long as you get them quickly after they lay them and um you know you put them in the fridge or whatever it will stop the growing process and you probably can't even tell the difference like there's some like little um i think like the the yolk is a little bit of a different texture maybe or oh interesting and, and, yeah and so uh so yeah we probably i mean probably where we get our eggs from the stores they don't have roosters yeah but if we did get a rooster and we kept him it would be fine with like the egg oh, okay. laying process but they don't need a rooster to lay, to eggs. lay eggs okay interesting so you but you can eat fertilized eggs because i was like how would you would you know would it look different would it be like i mean obviously it would take a couple days for like a chick to grow at all but so crazy is there like anything yeah taste wise that would be different but yeah so far though it looks like they are all just chicks and they are um they're cute they are uh, getting. I mean, they're kind of in an ugly stage yeah. right now, but it's they're so so, they're still cute. Yeah. They're trying to. They're perching on the side of the box right now. We just have them in like a cardboard box while we fi- finish the coop, yeah. and they like to perch on the side. And it's really funny because then we go in there, and then they jump. They jump back in the box and like look around, like what? What? We weren't doing anything. Like <laughs> everything's normal here. Um, yeah, nothing to see. Yeah, it's really cute. So uh, we're excited. But yep, nice. there we go. There's some. I'm not an expert. <laughs> on chickens but that is what i have learned you will be 
by the end of this. I will be reporting back all of my newfound knowledge. Yes. Becoming a chicken farmer. So Nice. You have some cool news about your brother. Yes. So, yeah, back in January when I interviewed my brother, Mm -hmm. Drew Champion, we talked about how he's a writer and co-producer on an animated television show on Netflix from DreamWorks called Archibald's Next Big Thing. And the show is actually nominated for two Daytime Emmy Awards. And the Emmy Awards are tonight. We're recording this on Friday, June 26th. And so they're nominated for Best Casting for Animation, which their show has awesome casting. I they I haven't seen whether or not they've won that category yet, but hopefully they will win that one. Um, and then uh, they were also nominated for Best Daytime Promotional Announcement for Brand Image Campaign. Wow. <laughs> that, that is a category. Wow. Um, But because my brother and his writing partner, Jake, they wrote that ad. um, So they got nominated for this award with some other people from the show. But like minutes ago, my brother texted me that they lost, Mm. um, unfortunately, to She-Ra and the Princess of Power. So damn that She-Ra weaseling her way in. But they still could win the other (laughs) category. Yeah, that one's not been up yet or hasn't been announced yet so they could win for casting we'll see they've had some awesome special guests on their show a lot of big name celebrities so we will see it's wild that they're even like doing an Emmys show. I know. Like I, I like I mean of course but but just that they're like going to try to, you know, do it live and like with Yeah, it's these... like everyone in their house. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Even the presenters cuz like the hosts or whatever are the ladies from The Talk, that show. Oh, right. And But they're all in, like, their individual homes and have pre-recorded all this stuff. So every time it, like, announces a winner, it's like, good job. You know, just generic because they don't know what yeah, comes yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, They don't really yeah. know who it was. So <laughs> it's... It's all been taped, but it, it's just interesting, the world we live in right now. So, yeah. So we'll see if they win for best casting. But at least now I have a brother who is who is Emmy nominated. Congratulations to your brother, Drew. That's really cool. So not too shabby. Um, Utah is back into the orange area in the COVID world. Did it officially go back orange? I guess Salt Lake is. Salt Lake oh, is Salt Lake, orange yeah, yeah. and we are wearing masks again. I mean, well, we always were wearing masks, but yes. they're being like even more emphasized and mandatory. I think I did hear that. Yeah. Harmon's grocery store is requiring masks. Yes. To enter. And I, uh, my mom got me some, my mom's a nurse and she got me some regular like nurse or whatever hospital masks, the blue ones. Yeah. Uh-huh. They are so much lighter and more comfortable than the homemade than cloth ones. All the fabric ones, yeah. Yeah, they're. I mean, the, my the other ones were comfortable, but these ones, it's like a game changer. So if you feel like the other masks are too hot, or you can't breathe very well, or yeah. whatever, um, I highly recommend the medical ones that are soup cheap, and you can like pinch them over your nose, so they're not like yeah. in your peripheral vision as much, and they're super lightweight, and I total game changer so can you reuse them i don't really i mean i think 
you probably shouldn't reuse them too much. But I don't really know if it's like, I mean, you're just trying to block your spit, right? So it's like, yeah, it's going to, unless it got like really wet, it's going to be able to do that for a while. I probably should look that up and, and know for, and find out for sure. Like how many, is there like a point where it yeah. isn't as helpful, but um, they're still yeah. pretty thick. I mean, you still can't like blow through them. I feel, you know, they're still like, yeah. And I feel like they're pretty absorbent. Like they, it's not like I it ever like got damp. Right, right, right. Anyway, so I'm not sure exactly. But if anyone is feeling like it's too much to bear, try the medical ones. I think they are um, a lot better and way more doable yeah. and just lighter weight and all of that. So yeah, and it is interesting because I, I think I bought some more masks just today, but like the different types of masks that are now available like you can get like the neck ones that are like cooling so they keep you cool or like ones that are you know thinner or just or absorb more that go all the way around your neck yeah like there's i think there's just like so many out there which is also a little overwhelming it's like i don't know where to get new masks from it's like yeah it's like a new category that you're now like okay well my it's like your favorite underwear like i really like the cotton ones yeah. I like the bikini cut masks. They <laughs> just know. seem to really, they don't ride up. Yeah. <laughs> they just fit my face. Yeah. Really that's well. how it, it seems like. Because I was getting more, because like we have like one a piece and that's just not going to cut it, you know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. All right. Where do I, where do I start? Where do I get them from? So we're going to try out a few different brands and see how they go. Oh my gosh. Like J. Crew is making them. Gap is making oh, them. Old like, maybe. Yeah. I need to. It's smart. It is smart. And they're and they're fun patterns, and it, if it you know yeah, if it cute. looks cute, then you're probably maybe more likely to wear it. I don't know, but I don't know. Um, it is fu- it is fun to see all the masks, but yeah. I still think that the medical ones yeah. are my favorite option, at least in the summer. Nice. I mean, in the winter, I'll just get the one that wraps all the way around my head. Yeah, just get the scarf. Um, Sarah, have you ever swam or put your feet in the water at the Great Salt Lake? I've never swam. I maybe put my feet in like many, many years ago, but it like smelled so bad. (laughs) And were so many flies that it was like, okay, that's enough. I hadn't until like last year or maybe two years ago. Oh, really? I had gone to the lake. I'd gone to like Antelope Island and I had obviously smelled the lake a lot and seen the lake a lot, but I never wanted to get in it. And we went to Antelope Island and just like finally like with the kids and on their little beach area and put our feet in and my feet immediately started like itching and then like where oh yeah where I had like shaved it started burning like it was yeah it was so salty it was yeah I was not a fan um and it was really hot too yeah but Back in the 50s and or even earlier, like people would like scout camps would go yeah. and they would swim and you can float really well. And anyway, this episode is about the Great Salt Lake. So I'm going to we're going to learn all about it. And also, um, I kind of it made me want to go swim in it again or, or I, I guess swim in it at all because I I've never done it. And just the idea that you can float so easily sounds awesome. It does sound cool. The Great Salt Lake is a a remnant of the larger prehistoric lake called Lake Bonneville, which we've talked about. Yeah. So at 
Lake Bonneville's peak surface area was nearly as large as Lake Michigan and significantly deeper, covering roughly 10 times the area of Great Salt Lake. It covered much of present-day Utah and small portions of Idaho and Nevada during the Great Ice Age. There was like a scientific name, but I'm not going to try to say it. Was it Pleistocene or something? Yes. Um, between 32,000 and 14,000 years ago, um, with the change in climate, the lake began drying up, leaving the Great Salt Lake, Utah Lake, Severe Lake, right? Is that how you say that? Severe? Maybe Severe. I don't know. Rush Lake and Little Salt Lake as remnants. So it is the largest salt water lake in the Western Hemisphere and the eighth largest terminal lake in the world. And a terminal lake is basically a lake that doesn't have any sort of outlet. Oh, so okay. rivers run into the Great Salt Lake, yeah. but there's no way for Nothing the, anything to get out of it okay. besides um, evaporation. Okay. It's the 33rd largest lake on Earth. Oh, which interesting. I, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, it's the largest lake in the United States that is not part of the Great Lakes region. And it has a surface area of 1,700 square miles on the average year. Due to its shallowness, the water level can fall dramatically in dry years and rise during high precipitation years. In, in, in 1963, it reached its lowest recorded size at not only 950 square miles. Huh. But then in 1988, the surface area was at the historic high of 3,300 square miles. Whoa, quite an increase. Yeah, for sure. From like Holy an cow. average of 1,700 to go to 3,300. Yeah, it's like double. Yeah, its surface is about 4,200 feet above sea level for that's like the, the average. Uh-huh. And it has a maximum length of 75 miles and the width is that's from north to south and then the width is 28 miles wow so the difference in colors between i didn't know this did you know that there there is a a railroad causeway that goes like right it like it doesn't go in the middle but it's in the north the northern part by near promontory point oh um we didn't see it when we were up there no no i didn't yeah so it literally divides the lake and the the northern part has kind of a rosy color, a pink color, and the su- the south part has more of the blue color. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a literal just because of the division of... Um, the railway? Yeah. Of the water. So I think the north has a little bit ma- more salt um, yeah. because it's just smaller and um, it doesn't feed into the larger area. So it's called the Lucin Cutoff, and it is a 102-mile railroad line, which runs from Ogden to its namesake in Lucin. I might be saying that wrong. wrong. L-U-C-I-N. I think that's right. Sure. The most prominent feature of the cutoff was a 12-mile long railroad trestle crossing the Great Salt Lake, and it was in use from 1904 until the late 1950s, and since has been replaced by a dirt and rock causeway. The cutoff was originally built by the Southern Pacific Railroad as a means of shortening the first transcontinental railroad. Um, Today, the cutoff is owned and operated by the Union Pacific Railroad as a significant part of the Lakeside subdivision, which runs from Ogden to Wells, Nevada, and is one of the many subdivisions of the Overland Route. 
Due to the obstruction of water flow caused by the loosened cutoff, the Great Salt Lake appears to be different colors in aerial photographs. Water north of the cutoff appears rosy and brownish, while water south of the cutoff is more green. Today, about 15 trains cross the 20-mile causeway each day. That's a lot. So it's... Yeah, it's still in you, Switch. That would be so cool to be on a train and have, like, the two different colors on each side of you. So the lake's average depth is 16 feet. It's greatest. It's deep, so it's not very deep. The deepest it gets is 33 feet, and that's still when the the lake is, like, its average level. The lake receives water from numerous perennial and intermittent streams originating in the surrounding mountains, the most important of which are Bear, Weber, and Jordan rivers. So those rivers deposit about 1.1 trillion tons of minerals in the lake each year, which is where it gets a lot of its salt. And like I said, there's no way for the water to get out. And so that is a lot of minerals. So the Great Salt Lake is a lake with a very high saline level, as I said, and is considered to be the Dead Sea Mm. of America. The salinity of the Great Salt Lake ranges from 5% to 27%. And for comparison... For comparison, the average salinity in the ocean is 3.5%. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So... Yeah, ours is 5 to 27%, and the Dead Sea is at 33.7%. So the Dead Sea is still saltier than our um, saltiest part, but um, we're still way saltier than the ocean. And because of its unusual high salt concentration, most people can easily float in the lake as a result of the great of the higher density of water, particularly in the saltier north arm of the lake, Gunnison Bay. The high salinity in parts of the lake make them uninhabitable for all but a few species, including brine shrimp, brine flies, and several forms of algae. And the brine flies are like the gross flies that you see. And they don't bite you, but they they feel like mosquitoes or gnats. And they do kind of like to swarm around people. But they are harmless. (laughs) That doesn't make them any more (laughs) enjoyable. The Great Salt Lake provides critical habitat for millions of migrants migratory shorebirds and waterfowl in western north america and i did read somewhere that like it has like just a crazy variety of birds in one location um in most like in america or in like the western hemisphere or something it just has like a crazy amount of birds that go there every year since the water level of the lake can vary greatly between years what may be considered an island in a high water year may be considered a peninsula in another or an island in a low water year may be covered during another year so there's lots of different islands there are um eight named islands in the lake that have never been totally submerged So, yeah, that's kind of interesting. So there, if the water goes down, we could have a couple extra islands, which makes sense because it's still it's only like 14 feet deep. So (laughs) there's probably lots of different hills that pop up. So Antelope Island with an area of 42 square miles is the largest island. And Antelope Island has natural scenic beauty and holds one of the largest free roaming herds of American bison in the U.S., There are also populations of pronghorn, bighorn sheep, porcupine, badger, coyote, bobcat, and millions of waterfowl. 
I didn't know that. I, yeah, I didn't know that they had yeah. porcupines Even and bobcats um, and bighorn sheep. Because yeah. I've only seen like antelope, hence the name, and the bison. But that's about it. That's all I've yeah. seen out there. Yeah, I've only seen bison too, and I've I've never. We should. I mean, we'll have to do an episode yeah. all about antelope island i've ne- i don't think i've ever driven around the whole thing maybe oh, you yeah. can't I'm not drive sure. around the whole thing but i've driven a good portion of it and uh that's all i've ever seen but it is it is really cool because it's um you go on the causeway and then you go out there and you yeah. are just in this crazy um deserty lake area and then the bison are just yeah. right on the road right next to I know, you it's and so crazy it's just crazy that it's so close to us yeah and it's so pretty too yeah yeah we got our family photos taken there last fall yeah so. I, I think my sister-in-law got her engagement photos taken there and yeah their your pictures looked so cute it's it's a really um it's a really great place yeah it's it's pretty so the state of utah operates a marina on the south shore of the lake at great salt lake state park which is by salt air and then oh, yeah. they have another antelope island state park which is on Antelope Island. And with its sudden storms and expansive spread, the lake is a great test of sailing skills. So there's lots of sailboats. Okay, so three resorts, each called Saltaire, have been operated on the southern shore of the lake since 1893, each one built as a successor to the previous one. I know when I read that first, I'm like, three, but just (laughs) because the first two burned down. Got it. Rising and lowering water levels have affected each iteration, and the first two were destroyed by fire. The first Saltaire Pavilion, which looks so cool in the photos, I don't even know what style it is. It's kind of like has a little bit of like a like a Middle Eastern like vibe. Uh-huh. And I mean it still does, but I I went to it recently and or I guess in the last 3 or 4 years and I thought it was kind of tacky like it just it wasn't super It's pretty ornate, right? Yeah, but to to me it was it was kind of cheap looking whereas the old yeah. the pictures of the old one looked really cool and i and i was like oh, okay they're trying to replicate that style but uh, it, i think their budget yeah. was really low and <laughs> i was i really wasn't impressed by it yeah <laughs> anyway that was maybe it's really cool and i just don't know the history but i was um the old photos look really 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 cool and ornate and yeah yeah yeah. So the first Saltaire Pavilion was destroyed by fire on April 22nd, 1925. A new pavilion was built and the resort was expanded at the same location by new investors. But after years of various challenges, it was destroyed by arson in 1970. The second Saltaire mm-hmm. included a fun house and dancing venue. And I believe they just they wanted it to be like the next Coney Island. Like that was kind of the plan. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was a competitor to lagoon like we talked about yeah and then but yeah it it burned down again in 1970 and the current saltaire is serves as a concert venue and it was completed in 1981 um so about 11 years after it's a mile west of the original but like i said i i was a little bit disappointed when i went out there um it's kind of run down the inside like it looks like the outside kind of looks interesting. It looks like I said, it looks kind of weird. 
in a little rundown, yeah. but the inside just was there's there's no air conditioning, so it was really hot. Oh, there was just like rafters, like you like you could just it's like they they just did it as cheaply as they could, and like the the layout was weird too. The way it was kind of like a long um, rectangle, <laughs> and oh. there was a there was like a. Uh, balcony but I just felt like it wasn't the balcony was um could fit a lot of people but you couldn't see unless you were like right on the edge of the balcony because it was it wasn't like I don't know I just feel like it was really poorly designed and thought out right but I did see Jack White there and he was amazing and it was worth it nice. but I was like yeah. this I'm kind of embarrassed <laughs> that he's playing here I hope he's gone to other venues in Utah because it was yeah I'm just yeah I'm just not Did a fan it smell out there I've no. never been to a concert out there I don't know I didn't I, maybe it could but it didn't no not when we, we, were, okay. when we were there but it was it, like I said it was yeah. it was hot and kind of muggy in there and definitely can see why it is not doing I don't think it's doing very well or it hasn't you know ever really recovered right. from the fires but yeah but yeah sorry to <laughs> rag on Saldair <laughs> but that's my feeling about it nice so the northwest arm of the lake near Rosal Point is the location for Robert Smithson's work of art a work of land art, the Spiral Jetty, which is only Yay. visible when the level of Great Salt Lake drops below 4,200 feet above sea level, which it has been the case for a while. Yes. Okay, so I didn't know that they actually did mine salt from the Great Salt Lake. And I couldn't find a ton of information. Like, Morton Salt has a, a factory here and everything, but... Yeah. Yeah, like I didn't find a ton of information about how much salt they get out of the Great Salt Lake or anything like that. But I've got I have a couple of cool facts. So five companies currently extract salt and minerals from the Great Salt Lake through evaporation. Mineral extraction on the Great Salt Lake brings over one billion dollars to the Utah economy each year. Oh, wow. Apart from magnesium, salt for roads and potassium for fertilizers are the other important products mined from the lake. And then Standard.net had an article. They interviewed um, Tom Tripp from U.S. Magnesium. So the U.S. Magnesium plant is situated along the Great Salt Lake's western shore. It is the only producer of magnesium in North America. And with the exception of a small operation out of Brazil, it's the only producer of magnesium metal in the western hemisphere. Oh, wow. You know, you would say, why? What is what is magnesium metal? Well, I will tell you, Sarah. I'm glad you, I'm right, glad you asked. Tell me. If you yes, think of if you think of aluminum foil, it's kind of soft. That's why it molds over your leftovers. And this is from Tom. Yes. This this aluminum soda can is pretty thin. It would be a bag, except this aluminum has 1.5% magnesium in it. So Ooh. that's what magnesium is mostly used for. Um, alloying with aluminum, pretty much anything made out of aluminum apart from foil has magnesium from soda cans to, huh. to pots and pans to the bleachers at Little League games. The number two huh. use of magne- magnesium is auto parts because magnesium is also lightweight. So if you put it in an automobile, it makes it lighter and more fuel efficient. Nice. After that, magnesium is used for steel production, chemicals, pharmaceuticals, anti-aircraft avoidance systems, 
fireworks, all sorts of things, which I had no idea. Yeah, seriously. Um, So salt, um, Morton salt, Cargill salt, Broken Arrow salt, and the U.S. magnesium um, are the companies that extract minerals from the southern bay of the Great Salt Lake. Wow. So a couple funny little tidbits about the Great Salt Lake. So... A solitary Chilean flamingo named Pink Floyd, after the English rock band, wintered at the Great Salt Lake. He escaped from Salt Lake City's Tracy Aviary in 1987, which is, like, in the middle of the city. So, like, how did the flamingo – I guess – can flamingos – I guess they can fly for a while. Yeah, they fly. Yeah. I just didn't – I thought they were, like, an ostrich where, like, they could maybe, like, flutter for a second. But I didn't know they could, like, fly, fly. I think the flamingos that are in zoos and aviaries are like clipped or something. They don't fly. Yeah. Okay. I could be wrong on that, but that's my understanding. But yeah, flamingos can fly. So in 1987, he escaped um, Pink Floyd (laughs) and he lived in the wild. He was eating brine shrimp and socializing with gulls and swans. Nice. Uh, He's referred to as a he, but... I guess they don't actually know if he was a male or female. (laughs) But a group of Utah residents suggested petitioning the state to release more flamingos in an effort to keep Floyd company and as a possible tourist attraction. Wildlife biologists resisted these efforts, saying that deliberate introduction of a non-native species would be ecologically unsound and might have detrimental consequences, which is what we learned with the carp in (laughs) Utah Lake. Yes. Pink Floyd was last seen in Idaho in the area of Camas National Wildlife Refuge, where he was known to migrate, um, and that was in 2005. Oh, wow. So I had no idea. We had a little flamingo out there. Oh, I know. Um, No one has heard or seen from him since. No. I mean, I hope he is, you know, just living (laughs) his best life still and everyone's, I don't know, giving him his space. how long do flamingos live, right? Uh, Yeah. Who knows? Okay. So whales in the Great Salt Lake. Local legend maintains that in 1875, entrepreneur James Wickham had two whales released into the Great Salt Lake with the intent of using them as a tourist attraction. The whales are said to have disappeared into the lake and subsequently (laughs) sighted multiple times over a number of months, but there have never been any confirmed sightings of the whales since the time of their supposed release. Which, how can you lose a whale? Like, if, like, also. Is it just too salty? It's too. It's way too salty. Yeah, only brine yeah. shrimp can survive. Yeah. Um, so it. But I mean, in 1875, maybe the salt, like, maybe it wasn't quite as salty. Yeah, maybe it was lower. But even still, they would have. If they would have just died, how did? I guess how big were they? Were they baby whales? I mean, we would have yeah. seen them, right? They would have like surfaced at some point and. Yeah. Been floating somewhere? Like, how do they just disappear? Or, like, washed up on the beach? Floating. Yeah. So I wonder, obviously, we don't know if that's true. It was 1875. Is that an urban legend? I mean, kind of, but it was on the official Wikipedia page. So, I mean, we have to take it a little serious. Yes. 
Okay, and of course, there is a lake monster story, yeah. but there really isn't, sadly, not like the Bear Lake monster. There isn't a ton of lore uh-huh. about this one. But yeah. in mid-1877, so just two years later, two years after the supposed whale release or whatever. Fiasco. <laughs> Fiasco. J.H. <laughs> McNeil was with many other Barnes & Co. salt work works employees on the lake's north shore in the evening they claim to have seen a large monster with a body like a crocodile and a horse's head in the lake they claim this monster attacked the men who quickly ran away and hid until morning this creature is regarded by some to have simply been a buffalo in the lake 30 years oh. prior, brother brother Bainbridge claimed to have sighted a creature that looked like a dolphin in a lake near Antelope Island. This monster is called the by some the North Shore monster. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I think. Huh. It's totally got to be the whale, right? Yeah. The supposed yep. release of the whale. In Utah County, did you ever, could you ever smell the Great Salt Lake? Um, yes. Okay. I think mostly when I've experienced it, it's mostly been on like the Saratoga Springs side because I think the homes are closer to the lake oh, than right. on the other side. I guess uh, Vineyard now has homes closer, but okay. yes, you can smell it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I remember like in school elementary and like being out at recess and if the if it was windy from the west it smelled like rotten eggs Uh, (laughs) outside yeah and just being like oh i could smell the lake and it would just smell all day um kind of fishy kind of rotten (laughs) eggy and um yeah and and but when you i feel like when you go out to antelope island you can smell that a little bit but it's not too bad so i don't know why yeah. some days it seems to be worse than others if it is really just like the wind yeah. or what but um that's like hmm. A classic like childhood smell <laughs> every whenever yeah. I go north. I, I don't I can't I don't think I've ever smelt it, it being in Salt Lake, but just yeah. when we go north. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, wow. there we go. There's the Great Salt Lake. Very cool. Well, it's yeah, because of all the salt, it's not your regular run of the mill lake. Like you just can't use it in the same way. Yeah, I've, totally. So it's all. Yeah, and it's interesting to, like, Google and look at the old photos of the Saltair and, like, hordes of people just hanging out in the lake, and that just does not happen and yeah, anymore. Yeah, and swimming in it. And I, like I said, I'm not sure why, because um, that wasn't that long ago that, that everyone, people would be swimming in the lake at Saltair. Yeah. So I don't know if they just didn't have other things to do. <laughs> so yeah. it seemed, and it did, obviously it's really cool because you do float so easily. You don't need like right. floater, uh, floaty or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. But I, I don't know if the salt content, it, it, no, I didn't say anywhere that like between these years, the salt, you know, increased significantly. Right. So I think it's been about the same, but for some reason yeah. that was the, the place to be for 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 a while and my my grandfather that grew up in a really small town in washington state he came down for with boy scouts and they camped and swam in the great salt lake like it was a destination um not that it isn't a destination i think boy scouts still camp on like antelope island but they i don't know if they like swim in it you know it was kind of like a yeah more of a resort or it's yeah, or it's more local Boy Scouts. And yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 
That's so interesting. Yeah, and when we did the Utah Lake one where Utah Lake used to have all these resorts, like I think it was just a thing yeah. back in the day to like really use the water. And for some reason, we just don't really anymore. It's interesting. It is interesting because I people go to Bear Lake and Lake Powell and still do a lot of the boating and recreational typical lake stuff, you know, and yeah. especially Utah Lake. It is kind of weird that they that it kind of yeah. it just like slowed down and just probably I don't know, just came went out of vogue for a little bit. And um, yeah, it's just there were other things to do. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Utah Famous. We have a Facebook page that you are welcome to join. We're on Twitter at Utah Famous Pod, and you are always welcome to email us at utahfamous at gmail.com with comments or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Yeah, or if you were an expert on <laughs> the Great Salt Lake and you want to correct yeah. me. Or any cool uh, Great Salt Lake stories. Yeah, totally. Have you seen the monster? Like monster story. The whale. <laughs> or the whale. Seriously. Yeah. We should start some whale urban legends. For sure. It would be so cool Rumors. if there were whales out there. That would be ama- I know. that'd be amazing. Yeah. We'll look into it for sure. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, I'm going back to you.